our worship and to our praise. And everything that we do here this morning, that we're going to do throughout our, our service, is for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's so that he will be exalted and praised. And, and in his people, he will be declared richly as Lord and Savior and King. And we want to do that with all of our heart and as passionately as we can. And so we thank God for this morning and for our gathering together and worshiping the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our God is a holy God. Amen. I thank the Lord that our God is a holy God. And the only God for sure. <laughs> All the other ones are dirty. <laughs> That's the truth. All the other gods are, that doesn't sound very nice, but it's the truth. All the false gods are dirty. And no matter what religion they are, the only pure one is Jesus. The only holy one is Jehovah God. Amen. You may be seated for a few moments. Thank you, praise team, for a wonderful job. Thank you, musicians. The Lord, he is good. Amen. I want to acknowledge, first of all, the brothers that have been baptized the last couple of weeks in our church. And uh, we are so grateful whenever someone makes a confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today we want to honor Sister Natalie Sanchez. Sister Natalie, would you come forward? Is Natalie here? Come on up, Sister Natalie. And we want to give you your certificate of baptism. And we want to honor the Lord and thank you. And uh, we also want to call up to this altar. Um, let me see here. Who's next? Uh, Giovanni Navarro. Brother Giovanni. Come on up, brother. Brother Ismael Reyes. Come on up, Brother Strong. We are grateful to the Lord for the declaration of faith of Brother Gustavo Reyes. Would you come, Brother Gustavo? to the Lord for Brother Andrew Osorio. Our, our brothers, we have one more that has been uh, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ these couple of weeks, and that's Sister Damaris Avila. Would you come, Sister Damaris? here okay <laughs> she will be here so we thank God for all of our brothers that are uh, and sister that have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and let's stand and let's just give them a big round of applause and we love them we acknowledge them we pray for them we 
Are we with them, church? Are we going to encourage them and, and usher them on in their faith? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for being here. And, of course, we're also praying for Sister Damaris Avila that wasn't able to be here today. And we're going to pray that God will bless her. And, Brothers Estrada, would you come and receive the, the, the certificate of your son, uh, uh, Brother Noah Uriah Estrada. That, this is his second time to the altar, so we thank God for Brother Noah. coming a third time to be baptized once he gets a little bit older. I love, I love that thing. Well, God has been so good to us, and uh, the mercies of the Lord are evident in our church, and we thank God for every one of you here this morning and uh, for our gathering together just to give God the praise. Let's stand now. We're going to read the word of the Lord. And I will be speaking to you from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses, chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. For those of you that went to the convention, how many of you were able to go to the convention yesterday? What a wonderful, wonderful convention we had. Great singing, great teaching. We had a, a wonderful time. Let me just say this, that uh, the Los Angeles district now has a bishop that's another of the sons of Hosanna. He was uh, a minister in this local church. He was uh, ordained under uh, our ministry and set aside under our ministry and sent to pastor under our ministry. And now he's become the bishop of the Los Angeles district, brother or bishop rather, now Misael Gurola. So we honor him. Right. And uh, I also want to say that our one, at our wonderful convention, we set aside... Uh, one of the uh, brothers from our church to be a deacon of our church. And we'll be making all these presentations formally next Sunday. But we thank God for Brother Tyreek and his lovely wife that are new deacons of our church. And we thank God for Brother James that was ordained to the ministry. And we thank the Lord for Brother Ray Garcia that was also ordained to the ministry last week. Or yesterday, rather. So we are going to be honoring them in a special way next Sunday. We thank God for their commitment and their love for the word and, uh, and their work in the body of Jesus Christ. So we're praying for them. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. If then, if then, so then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, 
ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. That we should bring forth fruit unto God. And when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And y'all need to pray for me today so that I can explain the scriptures well to you. Amen? <laughs> I love reading the scriptures, but I don't understand very much because... When I do that, it's like a huge challenge. What in the world is Paul saying? He's hard to understand sometimes. What in the world is he saying? Let's try to get our heads around this scripture. So that's what we're going to do today. And you're going to be uh, listening, attentive, and be um, uh, uh, patient. If, if I lose you and you get distracted, you might lose the message. So, so let's, let's stay focused this morning on the word of the Lord. Father, your word is life. And we thank you for the word of God that is life. We thank you for your goodness and your mercies. We pray that your blessing would be upon us as we hear the word of life, that our hearts would be encouraged, and that our minds and our spirits would be strengthened. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says amen. You may be seated. So keep your Bibles open. I've told you guys in the past, and, and gals, I've told you brothers and sisters, that sounds more spiritual. I've told you all that we should uh, bring our Bibles to church and... Um, and because uh, it really is is a, a a great sound, and it's also a great thing to be able to look through our Bibles, mark our Bibles, highlight our Bibles, which we tend to keep in our in our uh, in our shelves or or by our bed or whatever. And you're going through the Bible as you go to sleep, and you'll remember things that were important to you, and and you'll remember those highlights help you to recall. Uh, sermons and teachings and truths that were that were taught to us and so I encourage you all to bring your Bibles to church and mark them all up that was one very weak amen but <laughs> I know you're, you're looking at pastor he said bring your Bibles and, and he's got his computer up in front of him right <laughs> it is a problem but just do what I say <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, <clears throat> look, at, at the beginning of my message today, what I want to do is I want to take a step back from the book of Romans, chapter 7, just a small step back, and then I want us to get this, like, more uh, panoramic view of what we're going to be talking about today. And so I want us to look uh, at Romans, chapter 7, but in, in big blocks, then one verse in Romans, chapter 8, and I want you to get, like, the big picture, Amen. And once we get the big picture, then we're going to get into the portion of Scripture that we're going to talk about today so that you guys understand clearly what Paul is trying to say. What I want you to do today is just to get one message in your mind. All right, here's the, here's the message. And you need to believe this and you need to live this. And every time that you find yourself in a struggle with sin, you need to say this truth. All right, here's the truth. Sin has no power over me or, this is a better way to say it, I have the power to obey Christ. Say that with me. 
I have the power to obey Christ. And so that's the whole message today. That Jesus Christ has actually given us power to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the power that we have. We have power to obey. And that's an important thing for us to understand because all of us, we have this driving desire in our heart to obey Jesus Christ. But like everything else that is really good about our lives and the high standards that we all set for ourselves, the truth is that every one of us, for every standard that you have, we usually fall short in some manner or another of the standards that we have for our own selves. And if you're not a Christian this morning, it doesn't, well, it matters, but at least in terms of what I'm saying, it doesn't matter because even non-unbelievers set standards for themselves that they don't live up to and that they fall short of sometimes. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we want to talk about this truth that I have the power to obey Christ. You're not powerless in that. And that, pa and that sin does not have authority or power over me. So let's take that step back and let's look at the scriptures. Romans chapter 1 through verse 6 is going to illustrate this. Just in, a, in, a, in looking at these six verses, it's going to illustrate that truth. That sin does not have power over me. Say it with me. Sin does not have power over me. If you're a Christian, that's true. If you're not a Christian, that's not a true statement for you. If you're not a Christian, sin has total authority over your life. But if you are a Christian and you've given your life to Jesus and you're following him by faith, you've given your life to Christ, then this statement is absolutely true. For every one of us that have been baptized, that have given our life to Jesus, this is true. Sin... Romans chapter 7, 1 through 6, sin does not have power over me, does not have dominion over me. Romans chapter 7, that's 1 through 6. Romans chapter 7 through 13 teaches us this. The law is good. Everyone say the law is good. The problem is not the law. The problem is the sin that is in me. The law of God is perfect. Everyone say it's perfect. It's good. It's lovely. All of those, all of those adjectives that you can use to describe something that's beautiful, that's good, that's, that's uplifting, that's strengthening. The law of God is perfect. We should not despise it. We should not say it's not good. We should say I'm frustrated with the laws of God. I don't want the laws of God. In fact, we're living in a culture today that is trying to displace the laws of God and replace them with our own convictions and standards and values. That's, that's just a prevalent push in our culture that is receiving this counter push with that whole, excuse the illustration please. In our church, we're a dry church. We don't drink, right? You guys understand that? We're a dry church. Well, we drink, but like milk and water and Coke and stuff like that. But we don't drink alcoholic beverages, right? But this whole... Uh, what's that, Mulnavy? What's the name of that whole Coors or, or Bud Light? Or what is it? Come on, tell me the, tell me the name. Bud Light. The whole Bud Light controversy, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 gone, it's gone viral. And there's this pushback against this nonsensical kind of ideas that are being pushed on our culture about what is good and what is bad. And the solution of the world for guilty consciences is let's get rid of God's commandment. Let me say it again. 
The, the solution that the world presents for, let, for, for a guilty conscience is let's get rid of God's commandments. And so when the culture goes, starts going deteriorating, going crazy on us, and they tell us to put a, a transsexual on a, we don't drink again. Is it, what is it, Bud Light? Is that what it is? Thank you. Thank you, Ray. He's a deacon. He knows, right? So, oh, well, he's a minister now. Thank you, Ray. He's a minister now. He knows. <laughs> now, I know, I know why you guys are holding back, because sometimes we throw these little traps out there, right? And then somebody says, oh, it's Bud Light. Ah, why do you know? You know, no. I'm not doing that this morning. I'm just trying to make a point, right? So that whole Bud Light thing, because I've seen some of those YouTube things, like, they're, it's crazy. But you know what that whole, all of those YouTube videos where a guy's dressed like a guy, then he has a, a Bud Light, and then he's looking like a girl, and he says, why well, I feel different? You know, what's going on? And, you know, he had a Bud Light with a, what's the name of that, that guy? Dylan, yeah, that guy. He's not a gal, he's a guy that likes to dress like a girl. But that guy, then suddenly he's looking like a girl and feeling like a girl, which is weird. Everybody knows that's weird. And so what's happening now since our culture is saying the way to get rid of a guilty conscience you've offended and sinned God is to, is to get rid of God's commandments. So then no commandments, no guilt. And now culture, since that has been gone way beyond the limits, culture is pushing back against that. I mean, rough guys that maybe aren't even Christians are pushing back against that and saying, hey, there's something wrong about what you guys are doing. And it's not okay for that to be happening in our culture. And it's gone like viral. It's gone crazy. But our world says this. Want to deal with your guilt? Get rid of the commandments. That's not how God says it. He says this. The commandments are good. How beautiful is thy law. And next week we're going to talk about this subject. The, the commandments and be. How do we relate to the commandments of God as Christians? And so the second thing that we learn in Romans chapter 7 Verses 7 through 13 is this. It teaches us, Rome Paul does, that the law of God is good. And that the problem with us, our guilt, our feelings of or, or person's feelings of condemnation, is not the good law of God. It's the sin that is inside of me. That's Romans chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 13. And so after that, what we have is we have the, the scriptures now teaching us in the following portion of the scriptures that, and again, what I want, what I want you to get and what, what I want you to understand is this panoramic view of the scriptures. I want you to understand how it is that Paul is seeing this whole, this whole challenge that there is before us regarding how we live the Christian faith and, and what the big things in, in our lives are the law and sin and faith and all of those things. How all of those things fit in our lives. So the second block of scriptures that we find, Romans 7, 14 to 15, it explains our fight against sin. So let me say it again. Romans chapter 1 through 6, it illustrates this. You're free from sin. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 to 13 explains to this. The law is good. The problem is the sin that is inside of you. Romans chapter 7 verses 14 to verse 25 explains the fight that we have against sin. In perhaps the most graphic way that, that any other portion of scripture. In fact, it is the ones, these portion of scripture that explains the struggle in the Christian's life against sin. 
more clearly than any other portion of scripture in the entire Bible. That's a true statement. And then it ends with Romans chapter 8 verse 1 that says this. There is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So what Paul says in Romans 8 1 to conclude these, these thoughts is this. That my struggle against sin does not result in condemnation. Not if I'm a Christian. I struggle with sin without condemnation. I struggle with sin. What I should never question is, am I saved? My struggle with sin is a manifestation of my Christianity. Say amen. So that's, that's like the big picture. I'm going to say it again just because this is, this is important. I wish I'd have been taught this when I was younger. I wouldn't have dealt with condemnation so much. And I did. I mean, there's a lot of times when I was growing up as a Christian, I felt like, man, God just can't love me anymore. I mean, I just, I just keep doing this over and over again. And I, I, man, I just, I don't know if God just, how patient is God? And I'll tell you how patient he is. He's more patient than your mama that put up with a lot of the same stuff you put her through over and over and over and over again. And mama just said, I forgive you. Okay, go back to you. Take an hour. And don't you come out of that bedroom for an hour. You sit in that chair. And since we're little, we're giving her trouble. And now some of us are really old. We're still giving her trouble. And, um, but Mama's always forgiven. And mama don't love you more than God loves you. Say amen. amen. All right. Now, there's a balance here that we have to find, right? Where's, say there's no condemnation. If I'm a Christian, there's no condemnation. We're going to talk about that later on in our study of Romans when we get to chapter 7. But, but what I want you to get, number 1, verses 1 through 6. Sin does not have power over me. 7 through 13. The law is good. It's the sin inside of me that's a problem. Verses 14 to 25. I fight sin. Romans 8, 1. In my fight towards sin, I am never condemned. You guys got it? All right. So... So we get this panoramic view of this chapter, which I think is really important, that allows me to make these next two or three statements. Here's my three statements. Number one, God's commandments are good. I am saved. Say it with me. God's commandments are good. I am saved. Oh, I'm not going to be saved. I am saved. Oh, somebody say amen. You say you say, but I've known a lot of people that have left the way. Okay, they may never have been saved or they're struggling in their faith or whatever. For yourself right now, you need to just say, I, 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 I am saved. Say, I am saved. I am saved. I struggle with sin, no question about that, but God's commandments are good, and I am saved. Now, number two, here's the second declaration that I'll make. Born-again Christians will experience strong feelings of guilt when they sin. How many of you know that's true? Raise up your hands. Everybody, 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 raise up your hands. We will have strong feelings of, of guilt when we sin. With those feelings come, with those guilt feelings also come a strong drive to reconcile with God. How many of you know that's true? You mess up and the first thing you're thinking about is, man, I, gosh, I'm a Christian. I got to be right with God. I got to do righteousness. This is not okay. That's our struggle. That's, that's what we experience. Number three. 
the commandments of God that produce strong feelings of guilt in me have no power to condemn because the condemning power of sin has been broken by Jesus Christ in me. So there's power, there's sin in me, but the sin in me does not have power to condemn me because I am washed by the blood. Because I am living by faith. Because I have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. So, well, I don't know if I agree with that. If you don't agree with that, then you're going to live with guilties of filth and condemnation. And that's the thing you'll have to resolve for yourself. But it's a biblical truth. And this is what Romans chapter 6, well, all of Romans, but particularly chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8 are trying to teach in this in this big way. We are free from the power of sin. Sin has no power over me. So it's a common thought for, uh, common for some Christians to, to, um, to, to say that they cannot overcome sin. I just can't overcome sin. I'm trying, but I can't stop sinning. And um, all of these sayings that we have sometimes, you know, I, I feel like I'm not going to make it to heaven. And I feel like, I'm, man, I'm just so bad. I just don't know if God loves me anymore. We need to be very careful about what we say because to say that I am controlled by my sin is to indirectly declare I am in Christ, but he has not provided the power for me to overcome sin. In other words, everything that we say with our mouth has theological implications. Be very careful about what comes out of your mouth or what you allow to stay inside of your heart and your mind. Because if you let bad stuff rest there too long, it'll mess you all up. To say that I am a Christian, but I think that God can't love me because of my sin, is to indirectly say or to declare, I have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, but his sacrifice on the cross is insufficient to wash away my present sin. We would never say it that way. Rather, we say, I just, I'm not saved anymore. Or, you know what, I just don't know if God loves me anymore. Or there's so many other ways that we can say it. But the underlying theological thought to those declarations are, are anathema. They're false doctrine. They're not founded on truth. And so every one of our, 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 our declarations of faith, of our lives, have to be aligned with the scriptures. Uh, here's another one for you. I'm free from condemnation, therefore I can sin because I'm free anyway. Okay, what you're saying is this. This is a theological implication. Jesus set me free from the condemnation of sin so I can live in unrighteousness. Is that anathema? Is that ungodliness? Which holy God is it that frees us from the power and the condemnation of sin so that we can really sin and enjoy it all. That's not this God. That's not Jesus that lived a holy life. That's not the God of heaven that is so holy that when the greatest created beings are around him, they can say nothing other than, you're holy, you're holy, you're holy. And that God manifested himself in flesh to release us to sin 
No. He released us from the condemning power of sin, from the power of sin, so that we would live in righteousness. And that in our effort to live in righteousness and in holiness, in that struggle that there is to be a, a godly and a person filled with integrity, so that in our struggle against him, the devil would not be able to condemn us in the process. The devil would never be able to come in that fight and say, you're done. Hey, listen, that happens all the time. I don't know if you guys are into MMA and all that kind of stuff. I'm not much into it. But, um, but uh, uh, I, I will tell you this, that one of the things that they do or boxers do when they're fighting in the ring is intimidate the other guy. Muhammad Ali was great at it. He would dance and punch, 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 punch. And then he would talk to the other guy and get inside of their head. And once you get inside of the head, you've got the battle half won. If you can make the other team believe that they're not better than you, that they're on their worst day, that they're just about done, you've won the fight already, and the fight is not yet over. I'm going to tell you this. Get the devil out of your head. Get the devil out of your head and get the word of God in your heart and in your mind. The devil has no power over me. Sin has no authority over me. I am free in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, God of heaven, help me. So there's, there's doctrinal implications to all of this. Now here's what Paul is trying to get us to understand. Go back to Romans chapter 3 with me. Open your Bibles. Romans chapter 3. The scriptures are not going to come up today because I didn't send my scriptures. Um, so open your Bibles. And if you have your Bibles, open your telephones. I want to hear clicks or... Why don't you look at your scriptures? Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, everyone say the law is good, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become what? Guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, this is us, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So now what is this righteousness of God which is without the law? It's called grace. Everyone call it, say grace, undeserved mercy, say mercy, undeserved favor, undeserved love. Everything that you have is undeserved, that is good. God has given to you and he's undeserved. So that what, what this man is saying is, listen guys, we are no longer under the law. The ones that are under the law are experiencing condemnation. The Jews and everyone that says, I've got to live up to God's standard in order to be right with God. Everybody that's doing that is living under the law and living under condemnation. We're under a different plea. Because he fulfilled the law perfectly for us and then gave us his 
you're going to get it. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you over and over and over and over again until we get it. Everyone say, I got it. And if you don't got it, say, I'm getting it. It's better, I'm getting it. Romans chapter 6, verses 14 to 15 says this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Again, this is the question now. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under what? Under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under the grace of God? God forbid. Everyone say, God forbid. No longer being under law. Uh, being under the law does not mean then that we are lawless, does it? Not being under the law doesn't mean that we're without law. We have the law. We love the law. We have the law as Christians. We love the law as Christians. But let's do this now. Everyone else is asking, but the law is not a means for getting to God. A law is a means for glorifying God as Christians. We understand the holiness of our God. We understand the way that he has established for us to walk. The parameters of the Christian life, of the life of faith. And as we walk in the laws of God, we're not trying to get saved. The blood of Jesus already saved us. What we're trying to do with the law is to say, this is how God wants me to walk. I'm going to do it just to glorify him. Just to honor him. That is the Christian way. Our motivation is completely different. This guy that is under the law is trying to do the law so that he can get saved. This guy that is under the grace of God is not trying to obey the God to get saved. He's obeying the law because he's already saved out of gratitude. And out of a strong desire to worship God. Powerful stuff. That is the, the difference between what is Christianity and every other religion. I don't care what it is. You name it. Every other religion is on this side, the wrong side. Every other religion says your works, your, your beliefs, your practices, your traditions, your, your sacrifices, your everything else is going to get God to look at you and say, that's a mighty fine fellow right there. I think he gets heaven. Every other religion, Judaism and every other religion. Christianity alone says no, 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 no. Our motivation is completely different. We live, we love the law of God. you but I'm excited about that come on somebody say I'm free come on I'm free the devil has no authority over my life he has no power over me I am free in the name of Jesus Christ I'm free it's awesome stuff that's us oh say that's us look at your neighbor and tell him I'm glad I'm a Christian and when you told him that, you told him, I'm glad I'm not a Buddhist. I'm glad I'm not an Islamic. I'm glad I'm not a Shintoist. I'm glad I'm not you, whatever you want to name. I'm glad I'm not a, a, a Judaism. I'm glad I'm in none of that stuff. I'm in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. 
all right, okay, I'm going to calm down now and get back in my teaching mode. This, this stuff excites me too much. It really does. It's like fantastic stuff because, man, I don't know about you guys, but for a long time there I felt with guilt. I dealt with a lot of guilt and condemnation because I didn't know this stuff. So I don't want, I don't want you guys to, to deal with that junk, have the devil beat you over the head psychologically because he wants to destroy you spiritually. That's the truth. You know, psychological warfare, I'm going way off my theme here, but, but look, look, psychological warfare is, 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 a, is it's a beast out there in the war. So that they say that, um, that during the uh, Second World War, if I'm not mistaken, that, that uh, it was one of the strategists, of, I think it was of, of uh, Winston Churchill, that came up with this idea, let's demoralize our enemies and we'll defeat them. And so what they did is they got... They got in this espionage kind of thing. They got the names and and the uh, and the, uh, the basic information of soldiers that were in in uh, the the German army, and then they would write them letters from their wives, saying, "I don't love you anymore. I found another one." And when they they would get these letters from their wives, these German soldiers would become totally demoralized. They didn't want to fight that much anymore, and they felt, "What's what's it worth it if I'm going to go home to nothing?" and Man, psychological warfare has a huge impact on you. They say that when they take soldiers and they're trying to torture them, they'll put music, you know, just terrible music. Maybe it's rap music. I don't know what it is, but they, they just put terrible music and, and they just blast it and blast it. Or maybe mariachi. I don't know. Whatever. You know, it's just terrible music. And they just get in, just blast it and blast it day and night. They're trying to tear them down psychologically. Hey, I want to tell you that the devil, if, if he can't do anything else, he'll try to tear you down psychologically. He'll try to get inside of your head. He'll try to tell you, you're done. You're no good. You're, you're not worth it anymore. Man, I'd have given up on you a long time ago. But you know what? He's still, he's still a liar and he's still defeated. And the only one that is going to help us through this battle is the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of the Lord. I reject every word that the devil's got to tell me. I said I reject every word that the devil's got to tell me. I, every lie he's planted in my head, I cast it out in the name of Jesus. I am going to live for the glory of God. I'm not going to let the devil get inside of my head. Because if he gets in my head, it's just one foot to my heart. I'm not going to let him do it. I'm going to live for the glory of God. I'm going to tell the devil, hey, listen, there is no condemnation, devil. I don't care what you said. The blood of Jesus has power to save me from my sin. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. I wasn't baptized in the name of Philip, and I wasn't baptized in the name of Ray, and I wasn't baptized in the next name of Maximilian. I was baptized in the name of Jesus, the name of the Savior of the world. He's got power. He's got power, more power than you'll ever know. The power of the name of Jesus. Every time you say I'm forgiven, the devil is defeated. Every time you say I am saved, the devil is put inside of his place. Every time you say no condemnation on me, the devil is pushed back. I want to tell you God is looking for some fighters that will stand in the, I'm sorry, that will stand in the face of the devil and say, I'm going to speak the word back to you every time you speak a lie to me.
Oh, bless the Lord. All right, sit down, sit down, sit down. I haven't even gotten to my text yet. I haven't even gotten to my text yet. Lord of heaven. All right, all right, let me calm down. Look at your name and say, no power. Devil has no power. Say, the law cannot condemn me. Good. So let's get to our text now. I want to explain this scripture so that we'll understand it. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. If you guys can put it up, that would be awesome. Romans 7, 1 through 6. Open your Bibles and, and uh, do your phone thing. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. So who's he speaking to? To the Jews, right? Speaking to the Jews because they're the ones that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. So here's what he's saying. As long as I am alive, as long as I am alive, Felipe Salazar is alive, the law that is able to condemn me, that is able to make me feel guilty, that is able to, to send me to hell, that law, as long as I am alive, that law has authority over me. Got it? So as long as I'm alive, everyone say, Pastor Salazar, As long as Natalie Solis is alive, as long as Khalil's alive, the law has authority over him. That's an interesting scripture, isn't it? So let's read it again. Verse 1. Know ye not, in other words, you guys should know this, right? For I speak to them that know the law, talking to the Jews, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. You guys should know this. The law has authority over man as long as he's alive. In other words, listen to this. The Jews knew this. That once you became a man or a young lady that was of, 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 of able to discern good and bad, you were a man or, or a young lady and, and with the knowledge of the law. Until the day that you died, the law was always over you. That's when, that's when every Jewish person would have died. That's what the scripture teaches. That as long as That's an important thing to get into your head. Let's go to verse number two. Uh, rather, to the next verse, right? So here's what we read. He's going to illustrate that now. For the woman, read it with me, would you please, with a loud voice. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So. Well, let's, let's go to the next verse because the next verse is going to help us. Read again with me. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called what? An adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So here's the law. Okay, listen. Here's, Paul's illustrating. So he says, here's a young man, now he's 13 years old, went through his bar mitzvah. He's now responsible before God. And here he is over here, dying at 98 years old. All of those years, the law has been over him. And he's been under the law. 
six years old with a Salazar marriage to two women. And as long as he, they're both alive, if I suddenly say, you know what, I don't like my wife anymore. I, I want a, a woman that's younger. And then I say, see you later, Sister Rose. In this case, I'm doing this because my wife would never do that to me. And I went up and I find myself a young 61-year-old woman. find myself over here a seven or six year old going <laughs> myself to her in marriage. The moment that my wife died, mom, mom she says, oh no, save me. So that now I could go and marry whoever it is that I wanted to marry. Because the law no longer had authority over me. That doesn't mean that y'all should go home and say, oh, guys, we Right? I'm just trying. I'm doing what Paul did. That's that's what I'm trying to illustrate something here. So here's the point. I am I am I am a Christian. I was I, I'm a man. I was born and I'm under the law. And the law. I died in the baptismal waters in the name of Jesus. And, and when I died spiritually to the world, when I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they took me under, you get a dead man, and you put him under the water or in the grave. When I came back up, my dear brothers, the law no longer had authority over me. Well, the law is still there because the law is perfect. The law is still there because the law is good. The law is still there as a means to honor God and to glorify God. But it no longer has power to tell me you are condemned because you have fallen short of God's standard. No longer does it has taken its hands off. It can no longer do what it did before because I have died to the law. Jesus' name. Here I am, 64 years old, sitting there a movie. Make room for 
everyone here will at one point in their life hear the gospel of Jesus preached. And then say, I surrender my life to you. And then give their life to Jesus Christ. And go down in these baptismal waters. And die to your sin. And come up again a new life. Here's what God says. The law says, I no longer have authority over them. When they come up out of the waters, they do not come up with their own righteousness. They come up covered completely by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he is perfect. Let's read the scripture again so that we can kind of understand what pastor is saying. You guys understanding now? All right. Verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For a woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another she will be called an adulteress, a sinner. But if her husband is dead, she is free from the law so that she can no longer be called a sinner. Even if she's married to another man. It's great stuff, huh? That's what it means to be free. And that's what every one of us are. Now, you know why you get married to a woman? Well, there's a lot of reasons. You know, she's pretty. She smells good. A man gets married to him. He's got a lot of money. You know, he's good looking. He's strong. He's tall, dark, and handsome and all that stuff. And you're married for that. You're married for love, right? Although, you got to talk to some Indians and Africans and everything changes. I'm talking about Africa and India. Things change over there a little bit. Parents get to choose the children's mates, which I think... It's a great idea, but but when, when you get married to another person, you get married, and the first commandment that God gives us, or even before, don't eat of the fruit of the true of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is hey, be fruitful. We get married to have what? Children. That's how we get married, bro. Generally, that's the truth, right? And so that's God's desire and plan that we be fruitful and that we multiply. Well, if I got married, if I was married to sin under the law my whole life, I'm producing fruit. What is the fruit that I'm producing? I'm living through the law, through, through the law, condemnation and sin and all that kind of stuff. That's what's producing. Now, if I got dead to sin and now I'm married to Christ, Verse 3. So then, if while her... What time is it? You know, I got bad news for you guys. I didn't set my timer. And um, hmm. we're almost done. Thank you. 
So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband is de be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another. Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, his sacrifice, that ye should be married to another, even to him, Jesus, who was raised from the dead. What's the point of being married to Jesus? Read it. Read it. No, no, put it back one more. You're right. That we should. What? That we should bring forth fruit unto God. Say amen. The next text, guys, just go up one more. There. See that? Say, well, I'm feeling guilty. That's okay. Because I haven't quite lived up to it. Keep fighting the fight. Don't throw in the towel. Do better. Grow in your intimacy with Jesus. Follow him closer. You say, I'm feeling condemned. Repent of your sins if you're not a believer. And if you're a believer, confess the scriptures and your sins to Jesus. Why? Read it again, this part right here. Everyone, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. What does God want? What's the fruit of our lives? He wants holiness. He wants righteousness. He wants justice. He wants love. He wants faith. He wants joy. He wants goodness. He wants mercy. Do you see? We have died in Jesus Christ so that we could be married to another. Verse 5. For when we, when we were in the flesh, and I'm done, we're going to stand right now, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So when you're not saved and you say, well, Pastor, I've got kind of a different attitude towards sin. Well, then you may be, you aren't saved. But I've already been baptized. Maybe you're not saved. Because you can get baptized without believing for a lot of other reasons. In Jesus Christ. I was telling the kids in our church, and I'm done. I was telling the kids in our church, those, well, the people that want to get baptized, I tell them this. Baptism is not about... You're getting to heaven. It's not about having your sins forgiven. Punto. It's about removing the one barrier between you and the one that you love so that you can get to him. So that you can love him. So that you can have this deepening relationship with him. 
Baptism isn't about me. It's about our relationship. It's about the world. And the benefit of that is that when my sins are washed away, I get heaven. But that's not the goal. Does that make sense? Let's stand. Verse 6. Just listen. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead, wherein we were dead, we're held, we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So this is an important scripture because you know the fountain from which this new life is lived is not the letter, the commandment, but I've got to do. It's from this born-again experience that changes the essence of who you are and what your core values are. So that from that, that the Bible here calls the spirit, from that place is born this new way of living that's called the Christian life without condemnation at all. So that we can be free to obey Christ. I'm free. So let me just say it this way to be practical. If you're living in consistent, unrepentant sin, or maybe if you're a person that entices your brother to sin, you need to turn from that sin. And if anyone ever entices you to sin that is, that is a Christian, you need to tell them, get behind me, Satan. Because you don't understand the things of God. That's what Jesus did to Peter, didn't he? And Peter says, you're not going to go to the cross, man. I'm never going to allow it. And then when the moment comes, he takes out his sword and cuts off the ear of a soldier. I won't allow it. And when he said, you're not going to the cross, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're becoming a stumbling block to the plans that God has for me, Cross. Cross. I have sometimes a fear that um, that uh, on judgment day, it's not going to happen this way, but in my wild imagination, that on judgment day, I'm going to stand by somebody like Bishop Zion or... Um, some of our pastors in India that are starving to death while they preach the gospel. Or our brother that um, was a, not a missionary sent by a church, but he was just a Christian that would smuggle Bibles into China. And he did it for a couple of times, four or five times. And they caught him. And they threatened him and sent him back across the border. And then he did it again, and they caught him, and they broke all of his fingers and his toes, and they tortured him for years. They whooped his back, and and, uh, and then when he met Brother Mingo Garcia, he said, you know, I, first thing he told him is, 
Would you be willing to die for Jesus? And Mingo says, well, I, I'm not looking to die, but I guess if I had to, that's pretty American. And the brother said, because if you're not willing to die for Jesus, nobody knows this brother. I don't even know him. Forgotten his name. God has him written down in his book of life. And when you take that kind of a life, or maybe even others here in this church that are living committed lives, sacrificial lives before the Lord. And then I stand next to them and say, oh, yeah, I was a bishop. And uh, I organized the church and I did this and the other and gave conferences and preached here and there. And then all he's going to have to do is stick out his hands. And his fingers were all broken. And, and he bears the the scars on his body, on his back of the lashings that he got while he was in prison for seven years. I'd, I'd be kind of scared to stand next to a guy like that. How shallow sometimes is our Christian living in, in our Western culture. But you know what? God is calling every one of us. I don't know where you're at. I know where I'm at. And he's telling us this. Keep fighting. Live the faith. Live to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ above everything else. And whatever gets you to sin or entices you to sin, cut it off from your life. Live for the glory of God. And for some of you this morning, you know what that is? For some of you this morning, it's you need to just say, I'm going to cut off my old way of living. I'm just going to live for the glory of Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to him. I've not done it before, but I'm going to confess him as my Lord and Savior. And then I'm going to go under those baptismal waters, and I'm going to die to this world and to sin. And now sin is not going to have any authority over me. Somebody in this place, that needs to be your confession. And that's what God is calling you to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. It's powerful and it's real and it's living and it's true. This morning, I thank you because the day that I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the day that I confessed you as my Lord and Savior, that day, sin lost its grip on me. The law lost its authority over me. Death had no claim anymore over my life free. Let freedom be impressed in the minds of believers this morning. I'm free. Free to do right. I'm free to obey Christ. I'm free to live in righteousness. I'm free to live a life of integrity where my conscience and my, and my, and my heart are aligned with God's purposes and will. And for every person this morning that is lost and has not been able to find their way, they're lost under the crushing weight of condemnation, or they just don't have purpose in life, or maybe they just have this sense that they're lost and they need the way, oh God, that they would confess you as Savior, that Jesus Christ would become real to them, and that they'd surrender their lives to you is our prayer in Jesus name there are people here that